It is good to be back in the house of the Lord with you. It is good to be here this morning. Isn't it church? You don't sound like you're sure. (laughs) Today we are going to begin a new sermon series on the practices of disciples of Jesus Christ. Over the next six weeks, we are going to be delving into some of the primary practices that I believe are markers for Christian discipleship. Now, when I use the term Christian discipleship here, I am not suggesting that these practices are just rules of a religion or requirements you must do to be a part of any religious organization. But Christian discipleship in the sense that these practices, which when lived out, are telling of two things. One, whose we are, as in to whom do we belong, and two, who we are, as in who do we identify ourselves as. These are practices that will set us apart as ones who are under the lordship and the guidance of Jesus Christ. There are practices that reveal who we serve, and they will bear witness to Jesus Christ. You see, the Lord has set an example for how we should live in the world as transformed children of the Most High God. And these practices, that when we follow them, they will determine our daily choices and our actions. You see, church... When we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and when we profess that Jesus is our Savior, we begin the journey of discipleship. We basically say from here on, from this time, we choose to model the life and teachings of Jesus, doing what he did and applying his teachings to our everyday lives. It's like an apprenticeship. An apprentice is one who wants to learn a particular trade or craft, and so he or she seeks to go beside someone who is a master at that trade or craft. The apprentice pays very close attention and listens carefully to what the teacher has to say, and the apprentice practices diligently every day what has been taught to him or to her. And doing this over time, the apprentice will develop the skills and the acumen for the trade that he wants to learn and will become proficient at it. It's an apprenticeship. This is what being a disciple of Jesus Christ is about. It's about studying the ways and the teachings of Jesus and applying them to our lives. Sadly, the church has not done a good job of teaching diligently discipleship. And we have not been faithful in practicing discipleship. Frankly, I believe that we are where we are as the United Methodist Church because we have failed in this area. We have failed to teach discipleship and we have failed to practice discipleship. So starting today and over the next six weeks, I want us to delve into these practices of discipleship. I want us to examine them closely, for they reflect the life and the teachings of Jesus. And if we are going to be his disciples, if we are going to say that we are disciples of Jesus Christ, then we need to model these practices. 
And I want to be mindful because I'm not just going to simply use the word followers. Because you and I know that we can follow people on social media yet never know them, never met them. Do you know how many friends I have on Facebook? I don't think I've met half the people on Facebook that are friends with me. So I'm going to be mindful when I use the words to follow Jesus. Instead, I'm going to say that we are disciples of Jesus. We are apprentices to Jesus. Because what it means that when we are disciples, when we are apprentices, we take on what Jesus teaches us. We take on the life that he lives. We modeled what he taught. So this week, we are going to begin with prayer. In our passage of scripture that Jess read earlier from the Gospel of Luke, we hear the disciples asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. Luke tells us that Jesus had just finished praying when his disciples came and asked him to teach them. And they said, just as how John taught his disciples, we would like you, Jesus, to teach us how to pray. Apparently, John the Baptist has taught his disciples how to pray, which is what normally rabbis or teachers would do. They would teach their followers how to pray. They would teach those who chose to be disciples how to pray. And so John the Baptist taught his disciples, and the twelve heard and came to Jesus and said, Master, John taught his disciples how to pray. Can you teach us how to pray? You see, church, that's the thing about discipleship. Students are willing to learn from their teachers. Students are willing to learn the knowledge that their teachers have to offer. And teachers are always willing to teach their students. The disciples wanted to learn how to pray. They wanted to learn this way of life that Jesus had lived. And Jesus was willing to teach them. So Jesus taught them. He taught them how to pray, the prayer that we read earlier. He taught them how to call humbly upon the name of the Lord. He taught them how to reverence the holiness of God's name and ask for the power and the reign of God's kingdom to unfold and be revealed fully here on earth. But he also taught them how to ask for their need, their everyday life's need along with the forgiveness and the grace to overcome temptation. In this prayer, if you read it again when you get home, you realize that Jesus is basically teaching them how good a parent God is. A parent who will provide for them and will hear and answer their prayers. Jesus was basically saying to the disciples, this is who God is. And so you can go to God in prayer and God will hear and meet your needs as God sees best. Now, church, if there is ever one who is qualified to teach us how to pray, it is Jesus. Jesus sets the example of the primacy and the importance of prayer in our daily lives. Prayer was such an integral part of Jesus' life and relationship with God that the disciples wanted him to be the one to teach them how to pray. The disciples knew how important prayer was to Jesus. If you read through all the four Gospels, you will hear repeatedly that Jesus went aside to pray. 
He was always seeking out solitary places so he could go and pray. Matthew tells us that after feeding the 5,000, he went up on a mountainside by himself and he prayed. In the Gospel of Mark, we are told that after he had healed Peter's mother-in-law and those who came to him with sicknesses and those who were afflicted by evil spirits, early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus went aside to a solitary place and he prayed. If you read through John's gospel, you will hear where Jesus prayed repeatedly, even to the point of praying for the disciples that they would be one just as he and God the Father are one. And here in Luke's gospel, we hear again Jesus praying. Prayer was a way of life and living for Jesus. So the question I have for us this morning, if Jesus who is the Christ, the Son of God, if Jesus who is the Christ, the Son of God, spent so much time praying and made it a way of life, what does it say about how we as disciples should live? If prayer was so integral to the life and the living of Jesus, whose way that we are to model what should it mean for us who want to be his disciples? You see, church, prayer is important in the life of the believer. Prayer connects us to the frequency of heaven. Prayer penetrates that thin veil between earth and heaven, and it's the key that unlocks the heart of God. Prayer tunes our heart to the frequency of God's heart. And it holds us in that deep place of love that is so wide and boundless and in the grace of God. Prayer is important in the life of the believer. Prayer creates access to the realms of possibilities that are beyond the ordinary. And prayer expands our ability to perceive and to see God all around us. You see, church, prayer is not an option. Prayer is not optional. While we can decide what we're going to wear on a given morning, while we can decide what shoes we're going to wear, what trousers we're going to wear, what, what dress we're going to wear, prayer is not an option. Prayer should be a daily way of life for us as believers. It should be a given, not an option. We should pray every day. Prayer is important. You see, prayer creates intimacy with God. You and I, we are created to be in relationship with God, to commune with God. God did not just create humans and left us to ourselves. From the story of creation, we see that God seeks out relationships with human beings. God always chooses to try to get into our lives, knocking at the doors of our hearts. And throughout history, we see that God will, God will never relent. God is the relentless one who comes after us time and time again, trying to draw us back to the true source. Over the years, many people have come to realize the truth that God is our source and we need to stay connected to God. 
You see, no matter how far we search, no matter what we try, nothing or no one can ever take the place of God in our lives. No one, nothing. That is why St. Augustine penned the words that you have made us for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts is restless until it finds its rest in thee. No matter what we try, no matter what we do, nothing can fill the void that can only be filled by God. So prayer ushers us into the presence of God. Prayer allows us to find that rest in God. It's our primary way of connecting to God. As one writer puts it, prayer expresses our complete dependence on God's mercy for even our most basic needs. Prayer. Prayer. The life of disciple is shaped and molded by prayer. One of the things I find fascinating about the passage of scripture from Luke's gospel is that the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples reveals the loving and caring nature of God. It shows a God who responds to human needs and it tells of a God who desires to give us good things, to show us mercy and compassion. So why should we not pray? Why do we refuse to pray? This morning, there are a few things I want to share with you about prayer. A few other things. You see, church, prayer sets the pace and the tenor for our day. And it can be, and it can make a difference in how our day unfolds. I know this quite well. I know this to be true. Several years ago when I worked with the airlines, I was back home in Jamaica and I was running out to go to work. I lived like five minutes from the office, the head office of Air Jamaica, so I would take a taxi to go to work. And as I was running out of my house, I heard a voice saying, did you pray this morning? And I ran back inside, I dropped to my bedside and I was like, Lord, be with me today, keep me safe, go before me. And I got up and I ran outside and I said, taxi, I saw a taxi passing by. And in Jamaica, they're like, five persons in a taxi. So I got in and I sat right behind the driver. There were two other persons beside me and there were two in the front of the car. And the driver was going up on Queens Drive, which is a narrow road that would lead to the head office of Air Jamaica. And if you have ever been in Jamaica and have seen how Jamaican drive, it's a whole different story. We'll take an entire day to go through that. But there were two lanes and in Jamaica we drive on the left, not the wrong side, we drive on the left. And there were two lanes, one coming down for the, for, for the drivers on that left and one going up for drivers on that left. And our driver was just going along and there was one driver who was coming down with, with heightened sense of impatience who decided to overtake five cars at once. There's a big boulder on one side and there's a deep precipice on the other. And as he was coming down, you could tell that he was surprised that he realized he was not going to make it. He was going to hit our car head on. And I don't know how, but somehow our driver sped up and passed him on two lanes road. Just two lanes. And I heard one lady in the car said, Jesus Christ. And 
Everybody in the car was silenced. I think we were shocked to the point of being numb. We couldn't say a word. And I was the first person when he was close to my stop. I said, driver, this is my stop. I need to get off. That was the first word that was spoken after the incident. And when I got out of the car, I, I walked into my office at Urge Jamaica and I, I picked up the phone to call my cousin Diane because I wanted, because my cousin Diane had been my best friend and I wanted her to hear what had happened. Now, I'm not one who is easy to face. I have four older brothers. I am not easily faced. But that morning, I was so nervous. My whole body was just bolting with lightning because I was nervous. And I got into the office and I picked up the phone and I called my cousin Diane and my aunt answered the phone. And I said, good morning, aunt sis, may I talk to Diane? And she said, hey, my niece, how are you? I said, I'm fine, I just, I just need to talk to Diane. And she said, you know, I've been sitting here on the veranda praying for you. For some reason, the Lord laid something on my heart and I felt the need to pray for you. And I broke down and I said, aunt sis, let me tell you how I almost died. Prayer can set the tenor of your day. It can make a difference how your day turns out. We are called to pray. So I would say to you, church, pray. When you get up in the mornings, pray. Pray by yourself. Pray with your partners. Pray with your family. And you don't have to learn to pray like one of these tele-evangelists or your pastor. You can simply say, Lord, here I am this morning. I need you to go ahead of me. Lord, here I am this morning. I don't know what my day is going to be like, but I need you to chart the course for me. Pray. Prayer makes a difference to the outcome of your day. And your day may not go as you had planned, but when you pray, you will have the resolve and the fortitude because you know God is with you to go, what, go through whatever comes your way. The other thing I would say to you, find people you can trust to pray with. Pray with your friends. I have a group of ladies who had committed to pray for me. When they heard I was going into ministry, they covenanted to pray with me. None of them is a Methodist. They're members of other denominations, but they covenanted to pray with me. And they're all over the world. So when something happens, they're the first ones I pick up the phone and say, can we fast? Can we pray? And they'll say, what happened? And I'll tell them and they'll say, we're on it. And once they tell me we're on it, I'm good. Find people you can trust to pray with. Several years ago when I was doing my devotion, I came across a prayer that shines a light on the significance of prayer in the human life. It was a reading from one of my daily devotions. As I read it, it, it captured the years of my journey in prayer. And I must say to you, church, I pray about everything. You may see me smile and laugh, but I pray about everything. I pray when I'm driving. I pray. And you all know, you live in Atlanta, you know if you drive in Atlanta, you need to pray. If you have ever driven on 85 or Georgia 400, you need to pray. If you have ever even driven here on Peachtree Road, God forbid if it rains, you really need to pray. Prayer is not an option. I pray about everything. And as I read this prayer, it just reminded me of the importance of prayer and what we lose when we don't pray. 
It reminds me of the difference that prayer makes in every situation. And so ever, ever so often I go back to this prayer, especially when the busyness of life tries to make me think that I do not have time to pray. Have you ever been there where you feel like you're too busy and you don't have time to pray? Or when life comes at you so fast, you feel like you're overwhelmed and you don't have the words to pray? This prayer reminds me that I must pray every day. It was written by Peter Marshall. I'm going to leave this prayer with you this morning. I'm going to ask Matthew to put it on the church's website. I'm going to ask Christia to put it in the, the weekly remarks. But I'm going to leave this prayer with you. It says, Lord, I am beginning to know how much I miss when I fail to talk to you in prayer and through prayer to receive in my life the strength and the guidance which only you can give. Forgive me for the pride and the presumption that make me continue to struggle to manage my own affairs to the exhaustion of my body, the weariness of my mind, and the trial of my faith. In a moment like this, I know that you could have worked your good in me with so little strain, with so little effort, and then to you would have been given the praise and the glory. When I neglect to pray, Mine is the loss. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. This prayer sums up what prayer does and what we lose when we do not pray. We are called to be a people who pray. If we are going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called to be a people who pray. Prayer is not an option. I'm sure if you ask anyone here, they may at they may tell you at some point in their lives they have seen the power and the value of prayer. This morning I encourage you as a church, for those who are here and those who are worshiping with us online, to let prayer be your daily staple. Pray. And when you can't find the words to pray, stand in the awareness that God is right there with you and that is sufficient to be a prayer. Prayer is a mark of Christian discipleship. Amen.